there we go. We're back again for another episode of our little uh, Ramadan mini series. Um, what are we doing? What are we doing, Sam? We're doing a mini series on football villains, aren't we? Oh, that was such a. I don't, I don't know where I came up with that joke before the recording. No one's going to hear that, so it's fine. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, part three of our Ramadan mini-series, uh, Football and Villains. Last year we did Football and Heroes. So uh, for the topic of everyone listening, our guest today is going to be picking three villains and I'll pick a villain that links to myself from what um, our guest has picked as well. And then we'll just see which one of them, um, w- what they all have in common at the end of it, really, which is quite fun to go for. So my um, guest today is Samuel Holmshaw who has recently appeared on a podcast uh, back in February at the time of recording as well. Um, Samuel Holmeshaw is a fantastic football coach, he's an innovator, he's an entrepreneur in the football coaching industry as well. And just before recording, I, I, I referred to him as, the, as a Yorkshire transformer because of the way he sounded on the microphone. So, um, Sam, are you going to be blessing us with that transformer voice? Are you going to um, just start? Oh, I've got it. Decepticons, mobilise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Michael Bay. It's been a while since I've watched Transformers. I used to be a massive fan of Transformers, you know, back in the day. When, I, um, I was as well. When it was a cartoon. And then, to be fair, a little bit disappointed with the movies. I thought the first one was really good. I think it was only about 10. Mm. But I don't know if you saw the last two. Just... I, did, I didn't bother watching them oh, in the cinema. It's like, I, I've watched the third one in cinema. I was like, yeah, I'm done with it. Yeah, same, then... same with me. I like the Bumblebee one. The Bumblebee one was decent. It's a different direction. Yeah. It's a different. It's more of a family story than like a, an action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good with texting, it. which is good. But I mean, that last one with the sort of knights in, you just were like, this is just. The worst thing is they just keep getting made as well. Same yeah. format, same director, all of it. Oh, like just leave it be. Such a shame. But yeah, no. Anyway, good, good to be, uh, good to be back. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. I mean, the last podcast was was enjoyable because it wasn't like in-depth coaching as what I normally come on these podcasts and talk about. Very relaxed. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to this. Yeah, so, and for anyone yeah, um, listening to Sam's podcast as well and everything that he's doing at the Home for Academy at Kickabout as well, we'll leave the description below and Sam will tell everyone at the end of the podcast what he's up to nowadays as well because there's so much going on in Sam's life that you're just there, like he's almost as busy as me. Literally, almost as busy. <laughs> well, he could be busier, to be fair. No, I'm, I think I'm less busy now, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, it's no, true. Yeah. But no, um, let's get into it. So, first things first, Sam. You, you kind of got the grasp of what the concept is for this podcast. Naming three different villains, so it could be coaches, managers, players, whoever it is that you've seen in the football industry. It could be people that you've worked with, seen as you work in the industry, but I don't think you want to bait them out on the podcast so if it's just like from a Sheffield Wednesday fans point of view I can't wait but um Sam who have you got as your first villain on the podcast today yeah well I I tried to think for both players and coaches and I thought I would probably go a bit more widespread than limit it to uh, limit limiting it to uh Sheffield Wednesday or local because no obviously no one's going to know who they are but um the the first guy I've got on the list is uh, the very famous Diego Simeone. Oh my um, God, seriously. My, my goodness, what, what a villain. And it, it's funny because, you know, all three of these villains, as I'm, I'm going to talk about throughout today, you know, I, I really admire them. Mm. And what they've all got in common is that they obviously, you know, are doing everything to win a football match. And at the end of the day, that's what it's about, isn't it? But, yeah. um, you know, you're a Man United fan, a lot of Man United fans listen to the podcast. Gary Neville, I, I absolutely love listening to him. Um, 
And before I sort of step foot in open age football management, I listened to a lot of his podcast appearances talking about the Valencia job. Yeah. Uh, a lot of lessons, a lot of mistakes I made myself as, you know, if you listen to uh, to him talking about that. But I always distinctly remember he talks about facing Simeone. Mm. Um and he sort of mentions that he almost like strangled him on the touchline. <laughs> so she was sort of flirting with him, uh, you know, flirting with defeat, giving him a chance. And uh, yeah, I, I always remember him talking about, and you'll see this with Simeone, where he's uh, like 10 of them surrounding the fourth official and running onto the pitch. And you'll see it, you know, you've seen it last week in the, the Champions League, was it this week in the Champions League? I can't remember if it were La Liga game, but I saw a little clip of him running onto the pitch and running into the crowd and, you know, sort of just from that perspective, I always remember the Liverpool game two years back just before COVID, uh, just such a villain. But I always think about Neville saying um, how he's beating 2-0 and Neville sort of, you know, come through the Man United system, um, embodied respect, attitude, you know, all those values you'd associate with the Man United player, you know, during the Fergie era. Mm. And he always says how he, he walks up to Simeone to shake his hand. Simeone just blanks him and walks <laughs> straight past him. And now for me, like I, I would say I kind of like have those values as well of, you know, you, you fight on the pitch, don't you? But at the end of the game, you have to shake hands. Yeah. And to me, that is just the ultimate sign of disrespect when the opposition coach is not even going to shake your hand afterwards. I mean... You know, I think if you listen to Neville, he talks about basically he was sort of going, you Gary Neville, you're a pundit. You don't deserve to manage Valencia. Mm. Uh, but I think if you sort of watched him over the years, I think when he first came on the scene, when they got to the Champions League final in 2014, um, I, I absolutely admired him, still admire him now, to be fair. But uh, I think he was quite a hot prospect, wasn't he? And I think it's a shame he's kind of never uh, left that environment. I think it would have been great to see him in the Prem. We still might do, uh, of course, uh, but yeah, I mean, just in terms of like a coach, he is just horrible, isn't he? You know, and I've uh, faced some characters on the touchline, let me tell you, in uh, in my you know, career so far. But, uh, you know, I, I think when you're facing someone like that, um, you know, I think Neville saying strangled is, is actually the correct term. Uh, you can imagine with 10 people, 10 coaches surrounding the fourth official, every decision, uh, arms up in the air. I mean, didn't he want to grab his uh, genital region once to sort of say when he won a game, if you remember that. Against Juventus. Which yeah. is just like, again. And then know, Ronaldo responded And I'm trying to, to sound polite there without yeah, saying, you know, literally. a comment term. But, you know, the viewers, uh, the listeners will know what I'm talking about. Mm. Uh, but yeah, for me, from a, from a coaching perspective, he's got to be the number one villain, hasn't he? I don't know what you think, Hamza. One thing that strikes, well, there's two things that I'll talk about Simeone is. One of them, he's recently got an Amazon Prime documentary as well, just like we mentioned off air about Wayne Rooney. So I've been watching that. And it's like one of those really odd things that when they do documentaries about people that you know you don't like and they'll try and get you to sympathise with them. Like for me, when I watch like the Man City documentary, they may try and make you sympathise with them. Or the Spurs documentary, but try and make you sympathise yeah, with them. Yeah, yeah. With Simeone, you're just there like, I can't really sympathise with him. I really respect him. I really like him but I don't sympathise with what is done on the pitch or off the pitch as a manager as well. Um, the second one was, again, back in, um, I think it was uh, 2000, no, 1998 World Cup, uh, David Beckham, Diego Simeone. Villain right there, if I've ever seen Terrible. one. Terrible. I think I was two at the time. <laughs> Just, I mean, Beckham, Beckham fell for it, didn't he? Obviously. Yeah. Well, and, uh, and Simeone did the same for Romario as well. He yes, he was yeah, he, did, he yeah. stepped on Romario's foot in the middle of a game, and Romario just came and just like 
yeeted him in the face. And then Romario gets sent off for Barcelona against Sevilla. So I'm just there like, it's someone you'd love to have on your team. But if you're facing off against him, like Man United are facing off against him, you know he's going to be box office. You, you know there's going to be fireworks and you know there's going to be a very spectacular performance on the touchline for a very uninspiring performance on the pitch, like his plays yeah. play with, to be fair. Counter-attacking, yeah. the 7-2-1 yeah. formation, whatever yeah. it is that they play. Defensive. Incredible. Yeah. But I think the thing that's most <laughs> admirable about him is he's going to go, is it Old Trafford first, like it will have played? No, so it would be um, the... The Wonder Metropolitano first. Then, so they're yeah. playing at home first, then they yeah. come into Old Trafford. So, wait, which obviously has already happened by the time. Yeah, <laughs> by the time this, this gets podcast. released. Uh, but, like, yeah, but you, you just know, know don't you? When at Old Trafford, whatever the first leg result is, is going to be, uh, you know, we're not mind readers to predict that, obviously, by the time this has come out. But mm. what I admire about him the most is he's going to be on that touchline. He'll be outnumbered by fans. He could not care less, could he? He will still do him. And yep. that's what you've got to admire about him. Whether you agree with it or not, uh, you know, there's some stuff I've seen him do over the years where I thought, how does he get away with that? It, obviously, it's different countries, different cultures, isn't it? What's sort of deemed acceptable. But uh, yeah, for me, a, as a coach, fantastic coach, probably should have perhaps maybe done a little bit more if he, if he goes to another club, that'd be really interesting to see. But uh, yeah, villain number one, for sure. My, uh, my, my first pick. I've got one for you before we move on to the next villain. Would you see him managing Argentina in the future? I think he would probably embody everything Argentina or Argentine culture uh, would want. I mean, you know, I can mention Maradona because he, he's not on my pick. Um, definitely one I'm sure a lot of people sort of consider. But mm. uh, I remember listening to Gary Lineker talking about obviously that, you know, Hand of God famous, very famous incident. Yeah. He said he'd spoke to Maradona about it and, and in the South American or Argentine culture, uh, it, it's anything to win. Yeah. A- anything to win, you know, bend the rules as, as much as you can. Um, you know, cheating doesn't really exist, which is probably why you see a lot of South American players dive a bit more and, and try and play bend acting. the rules a little bit more and play acting, as you say. Um, so for me... Yeah, I think he would absolutely embody everything. Um, you know, you, you, the, the Argentine uh, Argentine national uh, public would want in the national team manager. Um, you know, I'm not sure you'd see Messi doing any of that, <laughs> to be fair. Like uh, Messi's but, the only South American yeah, he, that doesn't he, do that. Yeah, he's probably the most respectful, isn't it? But you can, yeah. to be fair, time he gets, he'll probably be past all the players now. But you could see a Di Maria, for example, you know, proper buying into that. Um, yeah. So... So, yeah, no, I, I definitely can see him doing that at some point in the future. I think that'd be great to see. Yeah, it'd be quite fun to see him on the international stage, but it'd just be, in a way, a robbery of not seeing him on a weekly basis in uh, European football, domestic football, whatever it is. But, yeah, that's your first, first pick, Sam. We've got Diego Simeone, number one. Who have we got at number two, Sam? Let's hear it. Well, uh, he's, he's current player. Um, I, I had to go for, for Luis Suarez. Um and the reason Simeone's I say, number one striker as well. Uh, the, I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah. The, the reason I have to go for this was I remember uh, being in sixth form. I think it would be my first year of sixth form. And there was, mm. a, a, you know, I guess unsurprisingly, a lot of Liverpool fans uh, in, in Sheffield, obviously, probably supporting them because they were on the verge of winning the league title, if you remember. Mm. Uh, ultimately, Man City won it. But um, 
I think that was maybe uh, the third incident when he'd bit someone or just before the 24-2, it would have been the second incident. I can't remember yeah. the first one he did, but he bit uh, Ivanovic. He bit, yeah, Chelsea. he bit Ivanovic. Then the 24 one at Ajax, wasn't it? Yeah, he bit uh, that guy um, when he was at Ajax. Ajax. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, like you say, obviously the 2014 World Cup with uh, Cellini. But yeah, so basically after that, I again, me sort of growing up, brought up to be quite a respectful person playing football. Uh, so for me, the sort of biting incident was just absolutely ludicrous. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it was kind of made out to be as bad as probably it was. I mean, you look back, like if that happened now, surely there'd be a lot more uh, incident. I know it ended up having, he had a band in it after the 2014 World Cup. But anyway, I remember all the Liverpool fans at school sort of talking about him as this garden heroic man and all this nonsense. And, you know, don't get me wrong, what a player, but... Uh, I just sort of thought, you know, it's funny, isn't it? How, you know, uh, would you be saying that if he wasn't your player? Uh, but I remember after the 2014 World Cup, and obviously, you know, us as England fans will know, uh, he knocked us out, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, with, you know, that goal, I think Gerard took the flexion in a back pass, yeah. threw on goal. Uh, and again, I remember coming into school the next day, and obviously, I think we all knew, didn't we, at that point, that that was probably our World Cup over. And again, all my you know friends who were Liverpool fans, oh, we we love him still. What? You joking? I, I know he plays for you, but like, I'll never get that. You like, know when there's like bizarre, international tournaments coming on, and they'll still back their club players. It's like when Jordan Henderson missed a penalty for England in 2018. I was backing him. I couldn't care less that he was a Liverpool player. It's just what it's what it's what you do if you're an international fan as well. But realistically speaking, it's. It's quite sad how he's got away with quite a lot as well because I remember at the time Adidas, they had a, a marketing campaign about their new boot with Luis Suarez as well. And you're just there kind of thinking like, surely when you're seeing people of this in this day and age now, what, eight years later from when it happened, Kurt Zuma's losing his sponsorships, Mason Green's losing his sponsorships, Luis Suarez does something, oh, let's, let's, let's make the most out of it. Let's yeah. get some more money on it. Yeah. It's like the new the new boot is like oh it's, it's got an additional bite to it. Just there like yeah, with Suarez with his teeth out like that's disgusting. Yeah, Don't I mean, you know, there was obviously that that racism incident, wasn't there, with Patrice Evra? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think didn't they come Liverpool players come out at the time and sort of had a shirt on, sort of support just, just Suarez, for Suarez, something like that. Ridiculous. And to be fair, I think Carrig has come out on Sky Sports and sort of you know held, held his hand up and said the club were wrong in that situation. But yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff he's done that obviously is just ridiculously wrong. Uh, again, is it's that to me that culture of sort of doing anything to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you know, I think everyone was saying, weren't they, when he signed for Atletico Madrid? Uh, what a pair, Simeone and Suarez. I'm not actually sure if you've seen it. To be fair, that much I can't. I don't know if you can. I can't think of any. It, real it was more. It was more last season. To be fair, when they won the league. Um, so he was playing a lot more as well. It was also at the time when Diego Costa was still at the club. Mm. So it was Diego Costa, Luis Suarez, and Jao Felix were still on the bench here and there and everywhere. But they kind of changed it around when Costa left. Suarez is in and out of the team at the moment. He's got that rumour of moving to Aston Villa next summer as well. Yeah. We can see yeah, if that happens yeah. or not on a free. But it is one of those pairs when you're just there, like, he's a world-class striker. He's a world-class manager. They're just world-class. And I'm not, I'm not going to spell them as well. Um, yeah, they're just world-class villains. That's the, that's yeah. a nice way I can put it. They're world-class yeah. villains. Yeah, um, yeah. Unless yeah, you're an Atletico Madrid fan. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely spot on. Uh, but yeah, he's my uh, he's my number two pick, number two villain. Brilliant. One thing I wanted to ask you before we move on to the third villain, 
is with Luis Suarez, do you think his off-field antics and his on-field antics of what he's done in the past overshadow how great of a striker he really has been? Uh, great question. I think that probably depends what country you're in and what angle you're looking at that from. I think, uh, particularly now, sort of 2021, I think a lot of English people would probably look at what he's done in the past. And like, as we said, you know, we've already spoke about the mistakes he's made you know, a lot of unacceptable behaviour. Yeah. Um, and I think unless you're a Liverpool fan, I, I I think that that really overshadows him as an English or British uh, fan person. But I think if you were to ask uh, fans of Atletico Madrid in Spain, I think if you were to ask, obviously, Uruguay fans, uh, maybe even Barcelona fans, are, you know, I'm not too sure about yeah. Barcelona, but I think they would probably give you a different opinion uh, and maybe might overlook that, you know, again, different cultures, different countries. Um, but, you know, I always kind of thought when he was at Barcelona, I mean, he was he was sort of worshipped as a as a god by Liverpool fans. And I think there was that acknowledgement that what a, a ridiculous player. Uh, but I think when he went to Barcelona, I think that sort of went up another level. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously there was a trio, wasn't there, of Messi, Neymar and himself. But uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know that, obviously, for sure. I think if you ever have a, a Spanish guest on or a Uruguayan guest, I don't know if that'll ever be possible, but uh, they might, you know, tell you a different answer. But I think his, his reputation was definitely tarnished here. And I think if he does go to Aston Villa in the summit, it would be interesting to sort of see what the reaction will be. Yeah, um, I don't think that, you know, I don't think there's a lot of grudges held. I think people move on and accept it. And, you know, I always think that's the right thing to do. But uh, yeah, I think it, I think it spoils his reputation a bit. But, you know, you've got to say what an outstanding player uh, in his prime. Ridiculous. And I think when he went to Barcelona, you know, people say it's an easier league. Yes, it is. Uh, but the Champions League that year when they won the treble, 2015, yeah. was it? I, I thought he was on fire. Bearing in mind, he didn't start till sort of back end of October, was it? Because he had the ban for the yeah. uh, Giolini bite. Uh, but yeah, ridiculous player. Just, uh, as you said, top class or first class villain. Yeah, literally is. And it's someone that, it's still hard for me as like a Man United fan. And you're right in terms of the, t- the type of perspective you have on him. Because as Liverpool fans, they were going at him when he came back to Anfield and then they beat them 4-0 and they got through to the, uh, the final of the Champions League as well at the time of speaking. Um, in 2019, it was as well. And you just like, kind of think, yeah, with football fans, they'll still appreciate everything you've kind of done to them, but still, you still remember all the bad things for like opposition fans as well, which is the case, unfortunately, um, for some players as well. All right, then, Liam, we're on your final villain. Liam. For, <laughs> I was going to say, Liam, where's <laughs> Sam? Liam, Liam would just have all Man United fans, uh, Man United players as villains. Nah, Sam, I apologize. Um, Sam, who have you got as your final villain? Yeah. Um... Is it Liam by any chance? <laughs> he, he, he could never be a villain. He's a he's a, he's a top low that kid. He's too, um, good. He's too good. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, I, I had to think about this last one, hmm. and I suppose a couple of honor, honorable mentions. I think Diego Costa was definitely someone that crossed my mind, but I think that would have been a bit obvious. You know, probably that you know name a lot of people's minds. But uh, my last villain is has got to be Sergio Ramos. What? Uh, yeah, I, I just. A little, a different kind of villain. Um, I've always admired him, again, mm. from the purpose of trying to do everything to win. And you wouldn't say his behaviour or conduct is in the same sort of line as, uh, you know, the two other villains we've discussed, Simeone and Suarez. But 
he's always been one of them, hasn't he? He was sort of in the ref's ear all the time and in, in the face, in the face and winding up and being a little bit mischievous. And again, you've got to admire that, but there is a little bit inside again, just for me that thinks a little bit cutting, cutting the line there, you know, a little bit disrespectful. Uh, you know, and again, probably not as obvious choice, like I say, as the Costa, but, uh, you know, I'm not a Liverpool fan. I like Mo Salah. Mm. Um, but I always remember the 2019 final, that tackle is just nearly ripped Salah's arm out. 2018 final, mm. nearly ripped Salah's arm out. Um, you know, I know we were just discussing Rooney, weren't we? Just mm. uh, before we come off air. And, you know, obviously that documentary talks about the incident at the 2006 World Cup, where he's got that red card, but... You know why didn't Ramos get a red card for nearly pulling out Salah's arm? So it made uh, no sense to me because yeah, I'm literally just there. Like it was at the time when they were almost bringing in VAR to the Champions League. Emo had it that season. I couldn't remember. But you're literally just there. Like how can you not look at that and think that's blatant abuse? Literally had someone's oh. arm in him. They tried to just yank it around the other side. Oh, but but that's what kind of as I say when I was debating who, who to have on as the third. That that kind of sort because I can just remember at the time. Um, you know, I, I'm not a Liverpool fan, I'm not a Man United fan, I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan, but mm. whoever team is in Europe, I always support them because it, to me, it's like you, you support England in Europe as such. Yeah. Uh, so I obviously wanted Liverpool to win that final and I have no connection to Liverpool whatsoever, but I wanted them to win that final. Um, and I just remember coming out with a, a couple of swear words that I won't repeat at the TV as a non-Liverpool fan because I'm so disgusted in, uh, in what Ramos did, but... Uh, yeah, you know, despicable for me, that ridiculous how he got away with it. But I don't know if you remember, I can't remember if it was the Ballon d'Or or the FIFA World Best Player or whatever the ceremony was. We tapped him on the shoulder. We tapped him on the shoulder. I mean, that is just... The same I shoulder. I can't say the word for a PG podcast, but it is just... You know the word yourself. What I mean? yeah. <laughs> it is horrendous. Uh, it, uh, you know, again, like I go back to sportsmanship. Um, come on. <laughs> The worst thing about that as well was when Salah got sub, uh, he got taken off, he got subbed off, and everything. He had his shoulder in a little brace, and then you know Salt Bay, the yeah, yeah, yeah. He, t- he took a picture of Mohamed Salah with him like pointing at the camera, and Mo Salah's just there in like tears and agony. Ah, oh, my shoulder, I'm in pain. But Salt Bay wanted the picture with Mohamed Salah, and just so like that's so awful as well. Terrible. You can tell he didn't want Liverpool to win. But it's like, oh, let me get a picture of Mo Salah as well. <laughs> I just remember that picture because they just said like in tears Mohamed Salah and just they're like, what are you doing? Leave him yeah. alone. Yeah. But it, it's mad, isn't it? Because, you know, like I said, I, as I said at the start, I think what they've all got in common, these three villains I've picked, is it, it's everything to win. And that's win. what, you know, I mean, Real Madrid that year, 2017-18 Champions League season, I think they lost to Spurs, didn't they, 3-1. Mm. No one expected them to win it that season. No yep. one. But they've got through the line, in my opinion, through characters such as Ramos with the mind games, the verbals, the you know the manipulating influence. the referees' action, yeah. the influence. Um, so yeah, for, for me, he's uh, you know might not be a an obvious pick. I mean, I think your reaction said it all there, but uh, for me, uh, definitely a, a worthy uh, villain. My third well, pick. One thing I liked about that reaction from me was the fact that I remembered something straight away, but it wasn't even that Mohamed Salah thing. It was the 2017 final in Cardiff against Juventus. I don't know if you remember, but I think it was a Juventus player. I think it was Quadrado who got sent off for just like trying to get the ball back oh, from Ramos yeah, yeah, holding yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. They were 4-1 yeah, yeah. up. They were 4-1 yeah. up. 89 minutes on the clock or something. Ramos is still holding the ball so they can't get the ball back. 
And then he just like gets the ball out of hands and just like puts them in his face. And then Ramos is there rolling around. Oh, oh my days. And then like like 15, 20 minutes later, celebrating with his kids perfectly fine. And I remember Rio Ferdinand for BT Sport was like, I'd be ashamed to look at my kids in their face <laughs> after that. And I'm just there, like Ramos couldn't care less. He's just won the Champions League. That's just, that's just the yeah. difference in mentality right there. Yeah. Now, I, re- I remember that myself, actually, now you've brought that up. And, but that's it, innit? As I was saying about culture to us, it, 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 it's cheating. Mm. It's wrong. You know, the, the English culture, it's not right. Yeah. But yet, Spanish, who cares? They've won They've won the Champions League. Who cares if uh, they bent the rules slightly? Mm. Uh, whereas to us, you know, we'd still be like, yeah, you've won it, but come on. No need for that. But yeah. But yeah no, that I mean, uh, yeah, I forgot about that. So yeah. Back to, back to my point up even further, Hamza. Definitely. Now, um, final question, Sergio Ramos, before we conclude the podcast with, with my little segment as well. Um, Sergio Ramos, top five best centre-backs in the 21st century? Yes or no? 100%, yeah. Mm. Um, even more so because he started as a right-back, if you remember. That's the video, yeah. I mean, when I started watching football, I, I would, to be fair, I was quite late watching football. I didn't really start watching until I was maybe 13 or 14. Mm. Um, and I think... It was the 2010 World Cup. I'd seen him before, but that was when I first started watching him. And um, yeah, wasn't he one of the world's best right backs at yeah. the time? Or I mean, he was still was only, what is he, 34 now? So he'd have been 24, 23. Um, but yeah, he started playing centre back, didn't he? Sort of 2011, 2012, I think. Um, and I think defensively, yes, again, you can give that argument of uh, how would he cope in the Premier League? I think Verani's probably an example of that at the minute. Uh, but ridiculously solid I think again performances for, for Spain uh, showed that over the years but if you think about his uh, goal scoring record as well I mean didn't correct me if I'm wrong wasn't it like 100 goals he scored for Madrid yeah a lot out. of penalties couple of free penalties, kicks here and there and all yeah. those iconic headers as yeah. well and 2014 just, uh, against Atletico Madrid yeah. in the final equaliser yeah. yeah just you know a player for the big moments what a legend uh, yeah, I remember he did a couple of uh, Penenko pens, didn't he? I think he did one for you all 2012. So, uh, yeah, definitely for me. Um, I mean, again, does he get the credit he deserves? I think people are probably a little bit up and down with, uh, with that one. But for me, he's, uh, he's definitely in the top five. Not sure why I'd rank him one to five. It's probably a discussion for another day, but definitely, definitely, definitely in the top five for sure. Brilliant. Fantastic, Sam. And, yeah, just to finish off from your segment as well, we normally have a segment where it's basically start, bench or sell. So... If you had to start uh, Ramos, Suarez or Simeone in your team, who would it be? Who would you bench and who would you sell? So you can count Simeone, the manager or the player, however you want to view them. But it's like, who would you rather keep, bench or sell in a way? We'll do it like that instead of start because if you want Simeone, the manager, you'll have him on the touchline with you rather than against you. I I would, uh, I'd, I'd sell Suarez. Um, straight away yeah your villainy just yeah just like i said i just think the stuff he's done listen i don't have any grudges i'm not i have nothing against liverpool obviously but Mm. you know i remember being sort of heartbroken (laughs) and that 2014 world cup not that we were ever going to do anything at that point um like you know ramos didn't like what he did to salah as we've said but Mm. you know he's he's not as uh What's the word? He, he's not his behaviour is not as, as bad as it is. If you'd look back yeah. and say, um, you, you wouldn't say it's acceptable. <laughs> so, yeah. well, it's a bit more turning the line. Um, and Simeone wins, you know. And again, is, is the stuff he's done as bad as Suarez? I just think Suarez. You know, I always think like you know when I was a manager myself in open age, and you know, hopefully will be at some point again in the future. You want players who embody you. 
Yeah. You want to work with coaches that embody your values. Um, you know, and I think out of the three, I think Ramos probably embodies mine. I mean, by the way, none of them are close to what I represent, <laughs> but Ramos would be the most, I would guess. Yeah. Uh, Simeone, in the fact that he wants to win and probably does everything to win. Uh, but Suarez, yeah, other than he's a winner, just, yeah, you know, would you come out in an interview and <laughs> back him up for biting? I, I certainly couldn't do that. So, yeah, no. Suarez, Suarez would have to go for me. Unfortunately, Suarez is going. Who's on the bench with you, and who are you keeping? Oh, I think I think I'd keep uh, Ramos. Ramos, so Ramos is think, starting in that. Team. Yeah, I just think his experience, clear leadership. Um, you know, never say die spirit. Never say die. You know, not accepting to lose again that 2014 Champions League final one-one. I, I remember wanting Atletico Madrid to win and just. That goal is just ridiculous, in my opinion, from a centre-half. So, he would have to start and might even get the captaincy. Uh, Simeone, yeah, prob- probably bench. To be fair, I'd, I'd probably learn some stuff off him. So, it would mm. probably be decent to have him on the, on the bench as a young manager myself. So, uh, yeah. Needs I, to be I, done. Yeah, I, I think that's what I'd go for, Hamza. Fantastic. Um, so, yeah, who we have? We have Suarez is out of there. He's sold. Simeone is on the bench learning from the genius himself and Sergio Ramos is embodying you as well. from the genius himself. Needs to be done. Um, Yeah, so my my villain for the week is someone who you probably really haven't heard of, but um, is someone that has really annoyed me for a good 12 years or so. And it's not a name that you really hear a lot, but it's just one of those things that I'm just there like, it's heartbroken. And you'll feel it straight away. So his name is um, Maurizio Espinoza. It's from Uruguay. He was a, an official at the um, 2010 World Cup. And when you're talking about 2010 World Cup and officials, as Englishmen, there's, there's only one thing you can kind of talk about. And I think, Sam, with the look on your face, you know exactly the moment, the time, the goal that should have stood about where it will happen. So Maurizio Espinosa was the assistant referee who failed failed England and failed football in that sense of awarding Frank Lampard that goal of when England had just almost gone from 2-0 down to 2-2 in the first half uh, against Germany in 2010. And he was literally just there looking, I think he was like a a professor as well. He was a teacher or something at the same time. So you're just there like, how can you not see something like this as well? I remember him saying afterwards that it's the hardest part of the job. Um, It's quite worrying as well. I'm just like, just see the goal, man. Just see the goal. He's yeah. literally there as well. And you're just there like, he, mi- he missed the bounce of the goal behind Manuel Neuer's diving body. And I'm just there like, this is disgusting. Yeah. I was like, that's just so bad. And it's one of those things that technology at the time still existed where you could see the ball has gone in. There was camera angles showing that the ball had gone in by an absolute mile. And even if it wasn't indecisive, goal line technology should have been in a long time ago. And the fact that they got goal line technology in for the 2014 World Cup was great was one World Cup too late. We may not have won that game against Germany. We may have just taken it to extra time. There's always that, that, that if button maybe about it. But I certainly believe our momentum would have shifted going 2-2 inside the first half instead of losing 4-1 and throwing everything at Germany from like the 60th minute onwards, throwing on Emil Heskey um, for whatever reason possible to score three goals in like half an hour. Um, but yeah, that's my little rant um, to end my kind of thing. Sam, do you have anything to kind of respond to that? I think you are absolutely spot on. Um, I was in year eight at the time. 
Mm. I remember the school had let us leave early so we could watch that game. Yeah. I remember sat on me nan and granddad's back garden. We'd got the big screen out. I think I had a couple of cans of Pepsi. So obviously, you know, buzzing with the sugar rush. And uh, definitely ridiculous. Yeah. I think I, I can remember, we can remember what I can remember celebrating now mm. the goal. Um, I can remember it, Guy Mowbray's commentary as well, Mark Lawrence yes, and yeah, commentary yeah. for the BBC. And it, it was just, it was just ridiculous, despicable. And, you know, again, I listen to a lot of podcasts with these ex-pros and actually they all said, I don't know if you've listened yourself, Hamza, but they talk about it and they come in the dressing room and hey, it's over the line, it's over the line. And Capello said, no, it's not, it's 2-1, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And I think just what you're saying there with the momentum, you're right. If you compare that to Euro 2020, I want to say Euro 2021 then, but mm. our momentum, in my opinion, for England, didn't really start until after the Germany game. Yeah, give us the belief and spirit, the buzz, uh, the vibes, the everything buzz, changed the vibes, after that game. Yeah, and I think that would have been exactly the same in the 2010 World Cup. I actually think we probably would have gone on and won that game mm. because I think I think we had it because they were two 0 up. Defending was pretty poor. If that had gone two two, didn't Lampard hit the crossbar again later on in the game from a free kick? Yeah, um, not say we would have won the World Cup, but I think I, I actually do think that would have gave us some momentum. But I always remember going to school the next day. I used to, uh, we have trams in Sheffield like you do in Manchester. I remember getting on the tram, mm. uh, getting the Metro newspaper, opening Free it up. Ones that you'd be I, don't, I don't know if you remember the uh, the picture where they've got the goal line and they've sort of made it a triangle where the ball where the ball's left, as yeah. if the goal's not, not gone in. And uh, yeah, I just remember going to school, everyone like, was so upset. I was crazy mm. how upset everyone was. No, it's 4-2, it's 4-2. But yeah, no, I think that's such a great call. Um, how could you not see it? Yeah, and How the fact that he it? denied it afterwards as well is like, no, yeah. I did, yeah. didn't go in, I couldn't see it behind noise, making all these excuses. And the linesman as well, his name is, as I don't know his name to be fair, but I'm literally just there like, how could he not see it as well? Because he's the linesman that could see it bouncing in the goal. And you're just there like, so many goals over the years have just been robbed because of goal line technology. Yeah. And you're looking at different sports all across the world, cricket, rugby, American football, baseball, tennis, using technology in a fantastic way and football was so slow to to evolve because people always complain about VAR there are times when I don't like VAR but the concept of VAR is still great the fact Mm. that you've got technology to look at things and the fact that referees can go over to the screen and look at things properly I find that great but when you're looking at things such as that are conclusive or inconclusive then it's not really great but when it's like yes or no decisions goal line technology it needed to be there. It really needed yeah, to be there. I, I think you're spot on. And I think, you know, football is often blinded a bit by culture. And, oh, this is what we've always done historically. When, like you say, you were looking at your rugby, for example, with the video assistant referee. Mm. Um, you know, I, I'm a fan of VAR. I know it gets a lot of stick, but I think it's good for the game. And eventually, I think the referees have made a bit of a mess of it, if I'm honest. Uh, how they use it. I don't know why we weren't using the pitch side monitor for two years when yeah. every other country does that. Uh, but no, I agree. I think far too late. You know, wasn't the technology there? It was being spoken about for years, wasn't it? It was trialed yeah. in like 2009 yeah. before the yeah. World Cup. It didn't get the the go ahead for the yeah. World Cup, and you're just there like, oh my days. Yeah. Imagine yeah. if it was, because even if that even that happened as well. I think um, Ghana versus uh, Uruguay again with Luis Suarez of the handball. Yeah, I've we, missed that by the way. That's oh god. 2010 just I'm so mad at that as well. as well when he does that yeah and then no, he's yeah, celebrating he as he leaves yeah. the pitch as well it's like yes we're yeah. in I'm like oh yeah. goodness sake but I think there was a cause when people thought oh yeah that could have gone over the line as well when you handballed it out but yeah 
wasn't the case. But yeah, that's my little rant. Normally I do it at the beginning of the episode to get it all out, but I'm like, nah, I need to leave it to the end because it's a nice conversation, it's a nice flow. But I was like, I need to get rid of this Espinosa guy because he's just there like, no. <laughs> not going no, that's in. a good one, that. Really good one. And to be fair, because my background this week is, I can see the referee there. I'm just there like, it's got to be him. So I was like, I had one in mind uh, for this podcast, but I, I always kind of judge it off what I've seen and heard from the guests. So yes. like you, you had a, a theme of like Hispanic, uh, South American type guests. And mm. again, it's not a racial thing from our podcast, from you or from us, but I'm like, yeah, let's go for a Uruguayan. Let's go for someone kind of like Luis Suarez, who he was, yeah. he was built up in that 2010 World Cup of scoring really good goals, being with Diego Forlan and Edison Cavani, but also being the guy that handled the ball on the line for Ghana. So I'm mm. like, there's someone Uruguayan I can talk about as well. It's not Cavani, it's not Forlan, no one like that. Been on your mind a while, there, and I can just see in your facial expression. <laughs> you know what it is? Every time when <laughs> someone mentions the World Cup or the Euros, or Frank Lampard, for example, we did a chat yeah. about Frank Lampard a couple weeks ago being the Everton manager. Yeah, I'm like yeah. PTSD just strikes. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, it was in. <laughs> it was definitely in. We could have scored and we could have won, but it just wasn't the case. Definitely wasn't the case. Um, but yeah, that's cheered me up in a way, but also maybe a bit sad. So, nah, it's not sad at all. It is what it I is. I know the feeling, mixed feelings. Definitely. Um, but no, Samuel, thank you very much for being a part of this podcast today, uh, episode three of our villain series. Why wouldn't um, I tell you a bit more about what we've got coming up um, during the summer as well? I'll tell you after, the, I'll tell you after because we're still in February. So I'll tell you exactly. <laughs> what we're doing. Um, you know what, actually, you can tell our listeners once again, I know you recorded previously, but you can tell our listeners once again where they can find you, what you're up to as well um, currently at the moment in time. That'd be great. Yeah, well, to be fair, I think I only spoke about Kickabout, didn't I, when I, uh, mm. <laughs> last time. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, you can you can find me just type in samomshaw.com. Uh, I like to put out a lot of coaching resources. I'm big on coach education and, uh, you know, trying to promote new ideas, new philosophies, new ways of, of coaching practice. Again, we're talking about tradition. Mm. Uh, I think something that's hold us back a lot in English coaching is we're a bit too used to tradition and this is the way we've always coached and this is what it should always be. And if you, you know, if anyone's into coaching and you've heard of the England DNA, yeah. massive thing behind the scenes that changed the English culture, the English coaching, and probably led to the success of why we got to the uh, to the final of your 2020 but uh yeah you can you can find me samomshaw.com uh you might have heard of the sports coaching podcast it's uh, an educational podcast as such so uh don't listen to it unless you like coaching <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean we, to be fair try and talk about different stuff like leadership and uh mental health that sort of stuff just stuff you can apply to everyday life but yeah and then just uh the home show academy uh tha football center is what we've it's basically a football center in leeds uh working with children from six to uh, sorry five to 16 yeah uh, which is uh relaunching on the 4th of march it would have actually already relaunched um but yeah no listen thanks again for having me uh like i said on the last podcast even though uh, this is coming out a bit later on i know uh but yeah sort of me done the masters now chilling so uh yeah thanks for the invite really enjoyed it nice to chat about something different but usually when i do a podcast you have to really prepare everything you're going to say i don't know if it's the same for you when you're hosting uh with this one really relaxed and uh yeah you know as uh, i know liam was saying you're doing a smashing job with the podcast it's uh, it's great to see it out there and yeah good reception uh but yeah thanks for having me again thank you for having uh the time to take uh, out to talk to me as well i've been really enjoying what you're doing as well on your podcast and your kick about center as well 
there'll be lots to learn from from you for years to come as well. I definitely believe it's going to go a lot further than where we are already, Sam, and especially with the guests that you're getting on as well. The the networking you're getting is brilliant. So I appreciate that. The kind words again. Nicely done. Everyone, thank you very much for listening. I will see you next week for episode four of um, our mini series of Football in Villains. Take care and goodbye.